0: Welcome to the Data Brilliant Podcast with me, Joe Dos Santos, Chief Data Officer at Click. In this series, we explore how data is reshaping and redesigning the future of our business and personal worlds. From business leaders to educators to public figures, we'll be joined by experts who will give us a fresh perspective on the world through data. Today, I'm joined by Winston Wu, Vice President of Enterprise Data and Analytics and Architecture at Rogers Communication. He's based in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. Welcome to Data Brilliant, Winston. Thank you, Joe. So in the interest of full disclosure, Winston and I are good friends and go back a number of years and have worked together. And uh, today's conversation is really going to focus around the technology of enterprise architecture, how to make it work, how to sell it. Uh, practical applications and tips for people that are trying to create a data analytics roadmap and deploy a, a modern data strategy. So, Winston, one of your kind of hallmarks is cloud-based architectures, right? And you're you're in the middle of a of a cloud-based migration at Rogers. Tell us a little bit about what's the case for cloud, and I know that's a, a an open ended question. But many of us are working in a world where we talk with executives who don't really understand technology. They are uh, they hear about these buzzwords. What's our elevator pitch for why cloud?
1: Thanks, Joe. Um, I, I would say the the case for cloud is should be premised on the desire. Um, and the objective to become more agile in terms of IT operations, application development, digital development, and how we interact with our customers. I, I would say that's the that should be the premise of why one organization would want to move into the cloud.
0: And that journey is somewhat complex, right? Because most organizations don't start from Greenfield. They start from... Pretty elaborate on-prem applications, and some some of us even have mainframes lying around. So, what's the right way to approach that uh, that transition? I would say
1: there there's several components on how to get started, um, and it's definitely not a big bang approach. Um, but the, the key, I guess, the key ingredients for initiating a journey such as this is really one you need top-down executive support and alignment on um, the idea of moving to the cloud and secondly i think it's super important to have a data and analytics strategy in place um, that prescribes what you're trying to achieve from a problem statement perspective and kind of outlining those key foundational steps that um that, that the organization believes it needs uh, to follow in order to reach its objective. I think thirdly is really a, an assessment of skills, roles, and the operating model with the leadership in place to drive the data strategy for the enterprise, um, not just a business unit or technology. Because I think um, a lot of times the downfall with many organizations going down this path is too focused on a singular business unit or technology stack, and not looking end to end across the entire enterprise. Um, from an analytics perspective, you also want to focus on use cases by line of business. So, conducting workshops to gather use cases, assessing the feasibility versus value proposition, and then prioritizing those use cases. Those are all these are all fundamental things that need to happen, um, and. You know, one of the other key ingredients is really to have foundational components that are somewhat in place. And I use the word somewhat uh, because you're not going to have it all perfect before you start down the journey um, from from a cloud migration perspective. Because if you if you wait for that perfect time, um, that will never happen because data is something that's ever evolving. And it's really hard to perfect um, a, a data ecosystem. And so when I talk about foundational components, I refer to things like data ingestion pipelines, data governance, um, consumption patterns, and a standardized set of tools.
0: So, did you find that in your organizations, people understood the power of analytics and the power of digital transformation, and that what you were having was a technology discussion, or did you find that you had to explain the art of the possible with respect to digital transformation, analytics, real-time decision making, and then have a subsequent conversation around the technology?
1: Yeah, great question, Joel. I, I think it, I think it was a uh, it was a hybrid. Um, my, my response is. You know, based on a hybrid kind of footprint of understanding, um, you have business units such as marketing um, and media who are very familiar with the power of analytics and and the art of the possible. Whereas you have more traditional business units such as finance, risk, um, in for information security, who um, who kind of understand that there 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 are things that they could be better, you know, doing better with the data that they have at hand, but they're just not sure what to do with it. Um, And in a lot of these types of uh, business units, they've been relying on traditional kind of BI reporting for 10 plus years um, to date. And that's their definition of analytics. But, um, you know, I would say that's a stepping stone and reporting is definitely foundational uh, from a from a business ana- analysis perspective, and you know, responding to our regulators, et cetera. But um, the more advanced analytics use cases are something that we are actively um, discussing and coaching, and um, kind of bringing to life. What is the possibility of um, leveraging more modernized tool sets and harnessing the power of their data sets?
0: This is a really interesting. Um approach, fork in the road, I think, which is, do you try to bring analytics closer to the business, or do you try to bring business closer to analytics? Um, And so, for instance, you mentioned use cases, and trying to really hard to illuminate what potential use cases are available is a really powerful method. You also mentioned, you know, you need some foundational capabilities, and it's important to somehow benchmark yourself or do a maturity model how did you bridge that gap how did you bridge the connection between the person who really doesn't care that much about data and analytics and the person who is in the weeds on data who's trying to make sure that that what they're doing is relevant
1: i would say we as a telecommunications um, company one of the primary ones here in canada and um, it, it is a it is a fairly competitive market with our peers. And naturally, yeah, you know, human nature, we all want to be the best and we all want to compete with each other and, and strive to be number one. Um, and I think when we do the benchmarking, as part of our data strategy last year, we did a you know benchmarking relative to not just our peers here in Canada, but also um, in the US and uh, some parts of Europe. Um, and it was pretty clear that from a data and analytics maturity perspective, um, we, we were not in the lead. Um, and, but, but, from a, but from a cloud perspective, we, we were, um, one of the front runners simply because we had chosen to adopt the public cloud construct earlier than others, but adopting something early doesn't necessarily mean you, um, kind of maintain that uh, frontline posture throughout um, throughout the years, um, because it's what you do with the technology that you've chosen to adopt. Um, and so, you know, highlighting the fact that we are not in the, the front pack um, from a data and analytics maturity perspective, I think that triggered emotions across our senior executives um, so that they, you know, they they naturally want to say, well, how do we how do we get from two to four on a, on a, on a, on a maturity scale from one to five? Right. Um, and that naturally kind of sparked discussions around, um, you know, what do we need to do? How do we do it? What are the types of tools and processes and people and skills that we need in order to reach that higher level of maturity?
0: I love that, using the competitive spirit uh, to show someone that there's work to do as a way to muster executive support. Uh, that's uh, that's terrific. Um, so what were the pillars of your strategy? So you went to your executives and you said, we're not where we want to be with uh, respect to our analytics journey. You pointed out some specific areas and then you built your data strategy. So what were the components of that strategy that really anchored your journey?
1: So really, you know, an enterprise data platform to centralize the ingestion of raw data sources, the standardized consumption patterns for that data in a cur- curated derived format, a, um, a default data science workbench, um, and the 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 other aspect is around, you know, we we ha- because we're multi cloud, it's deciding. Or having a framework around what applications on the front end, from a digital experience perspective, where we will build those applications, whether in Cloud A or Cloud B, um, really that that was really the, the the premise or the 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 main mm-hmm. kind of foundational components of our strategy, and w- coming from a on-prem infrastructure. Um, environment. We're obviously we have a we have a lot of transformational activities that are happening this year onwards to um, to execute against those pillars.
0: You started from this position of you know we'd like to centralize the data and make it available to people. Um, what is the responsibility of a shared service that sits in the center of the organization versus different departments, organizations, lines of business? How do you think about which? Uh, roles in which organization and how do you create that data literacy in an organization that that helps people to be as self-sufficient as possible? One
1: asset that has really pushed the, the data literacy competency is really um, an all-in effort, all, all hands on deck to build our first ever enterprise data policy. Um, hmm. And so that data policy is you know, has been approved and blessed across all of the organization and is being published into our kind of policy standards, policy central is what we call it. Um, And so that has really kind of brought to light that people actually do care about data governance and they do care how we use and consume data. It's just no one has really kind of put a framework around it. And so we have now, And it, 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 I think it would, I think, you know, I would classify it as a, as a huge achievement, um, for the organization. And so also, I think data governance is something that we've, we're, we're, you know, data governance by design. That's kind of like a statement that we're using across every initiative underway. Um, we, we have to consider it upfront to make sure that we don't hit any roadblocks down the road.
0: Such a good point. Such a good point. I think about, um, you know, conversation that we might have 10 years ago where people would seem to recognize the skills in question. You know, you'd say, Oh, I need an ETL developer, I need a warehouse modeler. And the skills that are required today are quite different. Um, when you have to describe to your executives, you know, what's different today versus tomorrow, what are the things that you usually try to highlight? What's different about data architecture in the 21st century?
1: I think I would, you know, one, one response would be technology is probably the smallest part of this equation, right? Technology is ever changing um, and it will constantly evolve. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of platforms out there that are very similar in nature and a lot of the capabilities overlap. Um, and so, you know, to picking the right technology obviously is dependent on how your ecosystem is is you know naturally put together. But technology is a small equation. But comparing now today to five, ten years from now, I think it, it's it's really going to be about use cases and the problem statements that the businesses are trying to solve for. And that will dictate what technologies you need to adopt in order to address those situations. Um, so, but from a data science perspective, you know, right now it's your, your predictive analytics is kind of the focus, um, but I, I, we're quickly moving, we're shifting right into more of, a, of an er, of a, an era where we need to get into more prescriptive analytics. And I, you know, from a large enterprise organization perspective, and I, and I use large enterprise organization, um, that I use that term specifically because if you were to ask large, if you were to large ask the large banks, and insurance companies, and telcos, like you know, what are they actually doing from an advanced analytics perspective? And the, most of them are on the, the, you know, from a scale of one to five, they're they're at the two to three mark because they're, they're some of them are dabbling, some of them are, are are just starting off on their journey, and some of them have you know have productionalized a couple, a handful of of, of advanced models. Uh, into production. But no, no one's there in the prescriptive side of the house yet, um, because it's, it's going to take time. And and when you contrast that with, you know, firms, companies, startups that have grown up in technology and have started off, they, they built their companies off of data and analytics, analytics as being the core Engine for their business strategy, those those companies like the Netflix and the Ubers and the Lyfts, they've they've ever, they've had a head start, um, and it's not I don't think it's about trying to compete with them because quite honestly I don't think we will ever be able to compete with them from a talent perspective and from a skills perspective. It's because they've had a head start, their 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 core business is based on DNA, and um, you know they're, they're just they're just ahead. Um, but it, it's about, you know, what's best for the business that that organization is embedded in.
0: You um, you've mentioned that you have pipelines that you're building that are basically to enable a moment, a prescriptive moment In enterprises, in large-scale enterprises, what are those moments that we're looking to affect that can start to approximate that Netflix or that Uber experience? Are you able to work with your executives to find the use cases, those digital use cases that you think actually um, illustrate some way of approaching that? Like, where do those pipelines go and how do you get them there?
1: So that's an active discussion um, that's that's been ongoing between the technology and digital teams. Uh, for some time now, and you know, from a from a telco perspective, if if a uh, if a user or customer goes online and starts modifying or updating their profile um, because they, they start updating their address, that should be an event trigger to to tell the digital and IT teams, you know, Mister or missus so and so. Um, obviously, is, has changed addresses, and so what does that mean? Does that mean they need upgraded services, or do they need to downgrade services? They need to um, they need to add an, another another line to their mobile account, their wireless account. Like these are this is um, those types of you know very trivial changes um, should allow us to kind of react to the customer's needs and we want to be ahead of it. And we want to be able to say, you know, by the way, like we we understand that you've changed uh, postal codes. What are the changes that you need to your plans, to your family plans, to your individual plans? And those are the type of things that we want to to capture. So like, Having that access to real time triggers is super important for us to kind of enhance our customer experience. And so that's obviously from a technology perspective simply uh, involves the, the use of these real time data pipelines. Um, and, you know, using, using things like Kafka and event streaming technologies to be able to convert those real time event triggers into, into, um, reactive measures from our side to become more proactive.
0: One of the things I think that you just said that I absolutely love is I think that people have this conception that um, AI neural networks are these, you know, brainy intellectual things that really compute 45 different features. And you just did the simplest, you demonstrated the simplest one. A person is moving. How do I know? They changed their address. (laughs) <laughs> what could be simpler than that? And right. you've turned it into a recognition scenario. What do I do with this moment? How do I recognize an act? And I think that's a really good lesson, right? It doesn't necessarily need to start with the most complex scenario. So one of the things that you've told me before is that you um, are trying to stay as close to the standards of their respective platform as possible. So if you're if you're buying a cloud vendor, you're trying to stay within the parameters as much as possible with the tools that they offer, because that cloud vendor has worked out all of the integration. Um, has that been a strategy that's worked effectively for you? And um, would you advise that for other people?
1: So I would I would say in, in the the last two. Organizations that I've been at, including the current one, um, that cloud native strategy has worked for the most part. Um, I think those, I think the scenarios where it may not work is as it really depends on the, the really, it comes back to the use cases. And so the, the use cases within an insurance company, within telco, um, I would say the, you know, the use cases in telco are going to be a little more complex given the nature of the data and the volume of the data. Um, and really just based on the business model, um, you know, if I go back to my, my last organization at the insurance company, you, you know, you have a, you have a company in an industry that hasn't really had to, hasn't really been incentivized to kind of modernize their entire technology stack because they sell a product that people will buy regardless of how it's sold, whether it's on paper or a website or a phone call or an email um, and so, but you know, the fact that they actually undertook the cloud journey, uh, you know, big kudos to them for for going down that path. Um, whereas in telco, um, it we're, we're a telecommunications company, but at the heart of it, we're a technology company, and uh, having to modernize and kind of keep up um, with keep up with the trends is something that's super important to us and is and is a necessity uh, because all our peers are doing the same. Um, so. You know, trying to bridge, trying to bridge, you know, what we want to do versus what we need to do, is is constantly um, an ongoing um, consideration.
0: So, as uh, as we wrap this up, I wonder if you have any thoughts around how you think data is changing the world and the world of business.
1: Yeah, I, I think one is around enabling new discoveries. So. What previously seemed impossible is possible today. And that's a, that's a very simple statement, but you know when you look at it from the advancements in distributed compute and storage, um, high performance machines, and kind of analyzing data patterns in, in, in a multitude of ways to derive useful conclusions. Like healthcare is one area where data is propelling incredible advancements. You know, you look at the current uh, situation with uh, COVID-19 and the ability that for the pharmaceutical companies to come up with these uh, vaccines in such a, in such a short runway, you know, that would not have been able to be done without. Have, without being like de- having data being at the center of that um, of that evolution right deep learning can enable machines to scan thousands of medical records cluster the data in like many different ways use statistics to identify interesting and useful patterns like these machines can then use these patterns and probability models to predict whether a patient is likely to be affected by a disease or not. You know, climate change is another good example, right? We have data on socioeconomic popu- populations, historical temperature measurements, flood, uh, flood and drought statistics. You know, all that data is connected, analyzed, and it's expected to give us insights that will help us to understand global climate patterns or even how to restore natural resources. And so that's, that's one, that's one area that I think data and analytics are going to have a massive impact.
0: That's terrific. And how can our listeners find out more about you, Winston?
1: Uh, I I wish I was more of a blogger um, to share ideas and highlights, (laughs) but uh, in which case I'd point you to my blog, but I'm not. Um, So really the best way is to follow me on LinkedIn and simply reach out. I'm always open to having conversations, expanding my network. And so we're all working through the same thing. So I think we can all learn from each other.
0: Thanks so much for being here, Winston. Thank you, Joe. Winston Wu is the Vice President of Enterprise Data and Analytics and Architecture at Rogers Communication in Toronto. Thank you for listening to this episode of Data Brilliant, brought to you by Click and hosted by me, Joe Dos Santos. It's still not about the technology. It's about business alignment and helping well-established companies think differently, think more like digitally native startups, solving business problems in a natural way.